ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are breakthrough. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. We're not your fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Let me take you back to November 2018. We were working on a webinar for Biohacking Secrets. I was spread pretty thin, working on a ton of stuff. Some of it I was passionate about. Some of it was just burning the candle at both ends. And I remember feeling like if I stay on this path, I'm going to for sure burn out. I know I need to make a change, but I don't know how to make it right now. There's there's no room to cut stuff off the schedule and still have the type of growth that we want. And I was getting a workout in the day that we were going to go live with the webinar. I went for a run outside in Delray and then I came back and I was doing some pull-ups and then I threw on the gravity boots and I was hanging upside down. And when I came, uh, when I came back upright, you know, I did basically a crunch, grabbed the bar, unhooked the gravity boots and started feeling like dizzy and lightheaded at lightheaded and my whole world kind of closing in. And shortly after letting go of the bar, um, I, I don't really remember what happened, but I blacked out and whether it was a few seconds or even a minute later, I came to in the bushes on the side of our house and I had some sticks that were sticking out of the ground because I had decided to cut some shrubberies with a handsaw and didn't properly finish the job, nor did I think I'd be blacking out and and falling on them. And now these were sticking into my lower back and my thigh. And I remember Grant and Carrie and Steph coming over that that day and me telling them what had happened and us realizing that we needed to make some shifts. On today's podcast, I sit down with Mike Bledsoe. We talk about entrepreneurial burnout. We talk about that feeling of wanting success and moving towards that vision that you know is possible for your life, but really feeling like you've got a 10,000 pound gorilla on your back or a thousand pound gorilla. I don't know how much gorillas weigh, but the feeling of going through life and life being challenging. I've certainly been there. I don't know if you've been there. But these are real things that come up as an entrepreneur, especially when the success or failure is ultimately on your shoulders. You know, you're the captain and, and that ship is, is either sailing or it's going down. And either way, it's your fault. And in this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show, we talk about some of the things that you can do to be more productive, but more importantly, more joyful and, and how to schedule that in, into your week and actually achieve greater productivity through less work when you follow some of the things that Mike and I lay out in this episode. We talk about accessing creativity, what it takes to be an effective leader over time, some of the tools, plant-based and otherwise, that Mike has used to to be able to step outside of that survival loop and really step into the creative, expansive, love-based loop that is the, the, the bedrock of any successful business. So if you guys relate to any of that, if you've ever felt like you were on a path to burnout or you just want to amplify the amount of joy and peace that you experience while building that future uh, that you know is possible that's going to have a massive impact on humanity and the planet, or if it's just a matter of showing up and enjoying your job, there's a lot for you here in this episode. And if you guys get any value from the Biohacking Secret Show, my ask is this, go on Apple Podcasts, leave leave us a review. It doesn't have to be five stars. Obviously, I'd appreciate it if it is five stars, but if you don't feel that it's deserving of that and there's other stuff that you want us to do to make the show better, I want, I want to see that too. And I take the time to read all of those. And in leaving a review, if you then send a screenshot 
screenshot of that to my Instagram at biohacking secrets, along with your email, I'll send you a $297 biohacking the brain course that I created with Dr. Andrew Huberman, the Stanford professor of neurobiology, completely free, no catches or anything. You just step up and review the podcast and let me know that you did. And I will hook you up with that $297 course for free. We've also got the ultimate biohacking experience coming up in April from April 16th to April 19th in Florida. And if you are looking to optimize everything in your life, but especially your physical and mental performance, this is where you need to be. It's the only place in the world that you can experience an event like this and connect with a tribe of other like-minded men that are on this same expansive journey to stepping into their full potential. And you can learn more about that at ultimatebiohackingexperience.com. That's ultimatebiohackingexperience.com. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Thank you for sharing the Biohacking Secrets show with people in your life who would benefit from it. And now without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Mike Bledsoe. Mike Bledsoe, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Thank you. I'm stoked. I'm stoked too, man. I've known about you for years on the strength and conditioning and fitness side, but you do you help a lot of coaches and business owners with mindset stuff, and we're going to get into some of the nitty gritty there. For the mm-hmm. listeners who aren't familiar with you, can you take us back 12, 13 years ago, take us back to 2007, explain where you were and really how you got started on this deep dive into where, where you are today. Yeah. Back in uh, 2007, I uh, opened up a CrossFit gym. It was one of the, might've been the first or second CrossFit gym in the entire state of Tennessee. And I was, uh, at the time I was a student, um, I'm a U.S. Navy veteran, got out, went to school. Just, I, I, I went into business school first. Cause I go, Oh, I don't know uh, what I want to do, but you know, a business degree couldn't hurt. And I remember my first class was accounting and I get into accounting. And I go, none of this makes any fucking sense. And it was a huge challenge. I ended up dropping that class cause I, I was missing so much context that I, uh, was going to fail. And I was, uh, one of those people, who loved having straight A's and wanted a solid GPA. And that mattered to me at the time. And I dropped that class and I started looking through, uh, you know, whatever it is you look at, at the school and I go, Oh, there's an exercise science department. Dude, I've been in, I've been training for nine years. I know all this stuff. Like I've been studying this. I was already reading textbooks before I showed up. So I, I, the next semester I go into exercise sports science and I discover the sport of weightlifting there and I get involved in the lab and I end up getting, you know, straight A's there because all, not because I knew the information, but because I was passionate about it. And I remember my parents asking me, you know, it's like, oh, exercise, sports, science, good job. Like, what are you going to do with that? Going to be a gym I'm teacher? Like, exactly. That was what it is. And, and I thought maybe I will be a gym teacher. I, I don't know. Yeah, it'd probably be awesome. Yeah, I don't know. Like, all I know is that, well, you know, one thing I learned early on is being in the Navy is I knew what I didn't want to do. And I was like, I don't want to end up in a job that, that I hate. So, uh, so when I discovered CrossFit, I actually thought it was silly at first. And then I tried it out. My buddy convinced me to try it out. And I go, this is a lot of fun. People are going to want to do this. I was like, well, I'm going to find the CrossFit gym in town and I'm going to, you know, 
go coach there because I have this, uh, I have a lot of strength and conditioning, uh, uh, background that most CrossFit, uh, I'm, I'm looking at CrossFit.com. I'm like, Oh, they really, you know, I'm blowing everyone out of the water on the weightlifting side of things. They actually don't know how to get strong. And, uh, I can offer my services there. And then I went looking, I go, Oh, there is no CrossFit gym in Memphis, Tennessee. I guess I have to open one. And so I get, you know, $17,000 together is what I was able to get together. That seems and really opened, inexpensive for opening a gym. Oh, it was, yeah, but my gym was also terrible. Uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> exposed <laughs> rusty like, needles. You name it. We had it. Yeah, yeah it was bad. It was, it, it was grungy, man. Um, we did attract uh, a certain type of athlete in the beginning and uh, you know, I, it was a hobby. I opened the gym because not because I saw like, there's this big business opportunity and I'm going to be able to make a lot of money. It was, I see a need, nobody's doing this. And I went in with the assumption of, Oh, I'm going to open up this gym. And because it's the only one like this, people are just going to show up in droves. Not true. And I had no idea how to price. I didn't know how to manage money. I didn't know anything about marketing. In fact, I thought, you know, marketing was like this evil thing. Like, and my, my dad was a business owner. He uh, worked in construction. And I remember growing up and watching him go through, uh, and he was a poor marketer and poor money manager. And I witnessed a lot of pain and struggle. And I go, well, I don't want to do that. So here I am saying, well, I don't want to be a business owner, but all of a sudden I've owned this business and, uh, and ends up, so I get into it and about a year in, I completely burn out. Um, I'm coaching all the classes. Um, you know, I'm up at 5.00 AM to 11 PM. And I'm like, I actually hand the keys to an intern that was working for me. And I had to Hawaii with one of my Navy buddies for a week. I'm like, I don't give a fuck what happens in this gym in the next week. <laughs> just don't burn it down. And I'm going to go. So I go to Hawaii and I just get drunk and act like an idiot for a week. And, you know, and I come back and I'm like, man, something's got to change. And I was, I was simultaneously in grad school. And one of the things that kept me in school is I was getting GI bill. So my, my business wasn't making money, but I could survive because I was getting a GI bill check every month. And then I realized like my business isn't doing well because my attention split between this and school and grad school is becoming more uh, demanding. And I go, and I'm committed to being a good student. And I was like, man, I'm half-assing both these things. I need to go all in. And I go, you know what? I can always go back to school. And if I don't do something about this business right now, it's definitely going to fail. So I went in on that and I pirated some business uh, seminars online uh, and started applying internet marketing tactics to grow my gym. And, you know, it, and it ended up being awesome. I ended up, you know, just applying things here and there. And it was a long, painful process. And years and years go by and my gym progressively gets better and better and better. I try different business ventures. I opened a gym equipment business for a few months. Uh, 
I invest $50,000, make $50,000 back. I I exit because I realize this is hard. (laughs) Like I'm not going to, you know, at at the same time, rogue fitness is, is taking off and I'm looking at the prices and the quality of their stuff. And I go, I can't compete with this. They're just doing so much volume. It's like, they must be buying steel for super cheap. And the only reason they can get that cheap is because they're buying so much volume. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I get out of that and I just, I'm, I'm going along and I'm running my gym and I'm making okay money, but I'm working my ass off. And around 2011, I start playing around with the idea of doing podcasts. And I've always, you know, being a student of internet marketing, there's digital, you know, a lot of internet marketers get their start with digital information products. And I always had this idea of like, oh, if I can get an audience, I can sell a digital information product. And my business partner at the time, he was real big on this. He was always talking about it. And, you know, I was like, yeah, but, you know, we got to have an audience. And so I started playing around with podcasting in 2011. I noticed that, again, it was, I saw a need. I go, look, uh, most CrossFit coaches are like, you know, firemen and police officers, and they don't actually have a strength and conditioning background. The, the, what they have is okay, but it could be better. And, um, and I, I just, when I was in college, I just had such good coaching that, I was really, really fortunate. It wasn't because I'm like, oh, I'm so good. It's just like I ended up at a good school with a good program and I had a good weightlifting coach. So like I'm just inherently had good information. So we launched Barbell Shrug in 2012 and we really didn't make hardly any money on that podcast for a year and a half. And then I end up going to a conference that I invest $7,000 in to go for a week from the guy who I pirated all the, all the business seminar stuff. Oh, good on you. Online. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, like, <laughs> was going to ask what course it was, but I didn't want to expose you and have you feeling like you had, you know, but oh, you no. got it back to him. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was Evan Pagan. So <laughs> I pirated an Evan, Evan Pagan course too. And I bought plenty. I think of everybody has. Right? Yeah. <laughs> shout, shout out to David D'Angelo. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, and when I showed up to that conference, I, I think it was day two, I get in the elevator with Evan and we're, and I was like, Hey man, uh, I just gotta let you know that I pirated your shit back in the day. And I, <laughs> I appreciate the information and I'm here now I'm, I'm paying money now. He's like, yeah. awesome. He's like, I'm, I'm glad you did all that. That's great. He was cool. And about it. Yeah. And I even remember in the course that I took, uh, one of the courses I saw online, he goes, uh, he addressed, you know, one of the fears that hold back a lot of entrepreneurs is fear that someone's going to steal your shit. He goes, mm-hmm. yeah, just factor that in, you know, and it's okay. Like, it, which gave me like this, which made it easier for me to admit to him that I had done that. Right. And yeah. dude, I think I've paid him like a hundred thousand dollars since then. Cause I joined his, you know, I did his mastermind for a while and you know, I yeah. did all sorts of stuff. So yeah, that's great. Uh, Playing, it's important to look at that, play the long game with this stuff. And and he's like, his mindset just lets him release any worry or fear around that and keep putting stuff out. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I forget about that because I don't worry about it. And, you know, I run into clients all the time or people who are interested in going into like coaching online and like, but what if someone wants to like steal my stuff? Like I'm afraid, I'm afraid to even put stuff out for free. I'm like, 
man, shut the fuck up. Just put some stuff out. Like help people. It's all about yeah. helping people. Yeah. And so I go to that conference and I learned something at that conference in just a few days that I, I go, Oh, I can, it, I never connected the dots. It's like I can offer online training programs ongoing. So I go from like making somewhere between one and $3,000 a month, hit or miss to a steady income of $30,000 a month online. And by implementing one thing that I learned at the conference and I go, I I mean, I may try to tease that out of you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The strategy won't work quite the same now as it did then, you know, 2020 and 2013, these are the, the market has shifted a bit. So you have to be, uh, there's a lot more noise and a lot more, see your products, the products now have to be better. And, uh, the, your marketing has to be better than it used to be. Like I was really fortunate and I continue to be fortunate in that I'm very good at spotting incoming trends. So being an early adopter has allowed me a lot of leeway and doing things well because I'm doing them first. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as I mature as an entrepreneur, I have gotten a lot better about doing them. I am there first. And instead of jumping to the next thing, the next trend, what I do is I continue to refine and also be the best at it. So I, I do that. And then, uh, like yourself, I think, uh, you mentioned right before we got started on here is there was a day where my online business was making more than my gym business. And I go, I can live anywhere in the world. And I go, where is, you know, I am inspired to move to California and I'm inspired to be around more people who are doing this kind of work. And so I, I ended up moving a year later and it's been a really awesome, um, path to be on. And I, you know, I was, really focused on barbell shrug and we ended up doing barbell business where we're helping gym owners. I did that hardcore until about 2017. And then uh, I walked away from all of it. Including and the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I walked away from barbell shrug podcast. I, um, I've always, I've had, you know, for years I've had my own show, the blood show running in the background is more like a passion project just to, mm-hmm. you know, talk about the other stuff that, that, uh, you know, isn't quite, uh, fit for barbell shrug. And, um, yeah, a couple of years ago, I, I, I took a, I took a break. I was like, man, I, uh, I, I drove myself into the ground. I, I built barbell shrug and barbell business up to, there were seven figure businesses, you know, and I did it through a lot of grind and yeah, I was in my, uh, early thirties through all that. And then, you know, I, as I hit, you know, 35, 36, I was like, this is not sustainable. And, um, and I realized I had sacrificed my own health and my own mental and emotional health, uh, in order to, to satisfy, you know, my own personal ego and business partners. And, uh, yeah. So over the last couple of years, it was, um, I, I made a lot of shifts. I took a break from doing anything. I, I lived off of very little money. I, I, uh, and I started to rebuild, um, in the last year and really you know, the last two years, it's just always got something in the fire, you know, going, but not, you know, super intense. 
And in the uh, last, say, eight months, I've actually started re-engaging with the market actively and getting back into the game. And uh, But I, I had to take off a good – there was a good year and a half where I had to get my own life in order. I had to start taking care of myself, you know, put my health in check, uh, stop trying to be as like some uh, big muscular – guy to satisfy my ego and go, let's really look at my health. Let's look at the health of my relationships. Let's look at, you know, uh, my happiness. And, uh, took me a good year and a half of, of hardcore work and looking at myself and not focusing on business. And now that I've returned back to business in about in the last, let's say eight months, it's gotten easy. I go, Mm -hmm. Oh, like all this, all the stuff I use, and now it's like, yeah, no big deal. Business is growing, doing better than ever. Okay. And um, a big part of what I do is now in my business is helping people see the thing that I, I it took me, you know, 10 years to see. And uh, I know that uh, and a lot of the people that I've got to work with in the last couple of years, you know, I've got to help them turn that themselves and they don't have to go through uh, all the grueling cha- challenges. Yeah. I mean, no matter what you're going to, you're going to go through your own hero's journey and go through hell and die and come back. Um, and there's a way to do it with grace and with levity and being able to be a little more objective about it. And there's the, um, the hard way to do it. This episode is also brought to you by Buy Optimizers and the Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package. So if any of you guys are dealing with suboptimal digestion, characterized by gas, bloating, your stomach feeling distended or like it's sticking out after certain meals, if you get sluggish, if you deal with constipation or diarrhea, you're going to want to pay attention because it usually comes down to one of three things being off. The first is low stomach acid production. The second is low enzyme production. And the third is gut dis dysbiosis, meaning you have too many of the quote unquote bad bugs in your gut and not enough of the good ones. And the Bioptimizers Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package addresses all of these root causes of suboptimal digestion. It's the best value you could possibly get if you are looking to take 30 days and turn your digestion completely around. And you can get that for just 177 bucks. It's usually 270 bucks by going to buyoptimizers.com forward slash biohacks. That's B I O P T I M I Z E R S dot com forward slash B I O H A C K S to check out the exclusive biohacking secrets upgraded digestion package for just 177 bucks today. Yeah. I'd like to talk about the easy way versus the hard way. And, and I resonate a lot with what you've shared because last year toward the end of the year, almost burned out. You know, and then this year I was, um, I was, you know, pushing pretty hard to get some stuff done for the end of the year. And Carrie was like, we're not taking on any more clients. He's like, I'm not, I'm not doing any more calls with applicants. He goes, we're shutting it down until we're caught up and everything's good. I'm like, dude, I'm good. I'm like, do the calls. And he goes, you've used the word burnout three times in the past 10 days. And I started cracking up and I was like, touche, my friend, you're right. And it had like that conversation and the fact that I had done it two years in a row made me realize that I actually prioritize something that I don't, I I didn't realize I prioritized. I prioritize peace and I prioritize joy. And when I'm 
and I say joy rather than happiness, because I feel like the joy, if, if, if you're creating little moments of joy and generating those intentionally into your day, then the happiness takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that until, you know, we were checking some of those like ego based financial goals that we'd set out. And I was, I was burnt out. I was miserable. And I was like, you know, showing up for calls and I didn't like the way that I was showing up. So I've yeah. come to a similar conclusion for people that are listening and maybe feeling some of that burnout that may be struggling to, to determine where do I prioritize my time and energy and, and resources help us shortcut, you know, avoid some of the pain that, that you've gone through and some of the lessons that you've learned from being that guy that opened up the gym. Cause you were excited about CrossFit and like, you know, the, the, the need was there at least, at least in, in terms of an N of one, you know, and you're like, other people are going to want this right to the Mike Bledsoe today, you know, multiple podcasts, multiple seven figure businesses. What, where do you now focus your time and energy and what belief systems support that? Yeah. So, uh, one thing I want to mention for, for going further is a lot of people are going to hear this and go, well, I'm not willing to make less money to be happy or, and they may not be thinking that consciously, but subconsciously it's, it's like, uh, the truth is, is if you can move into a place, what I like to do is move people into a place of leveraged thinking or high strategy thinking. And when you move into high strategy, you actually get to make more money. So I'm not, this isn't one of those things where I'm like, be happier, make less money. It's, it's like, be happier and then you'll make more money. And, uh, so I I like to dispel that, that fear that comes up for people that may be listening to this and like, Oh, this, this hippie bullshit is going to end up drowning me in debt, you know, and that's not really the case. I do notice that a lot of people have to go through a period where they do take, uh, you know, the, the finances might get set back a bit, depending on where you're at. If you're somebody who's built this, this behemoth, yeah, you're going to take a pay cut by making a shift. But if you're somebody who's, you know, low six figures or under six figures, most of the time you're only going to see an uptick in your, in your financial position. So Mm -hmm. just putting that out there. Uh, so one of the things I do that's super practical, uh, is I have people start, uh, uh, scheduling their, you know, you schedule out your whole week, but you schedule yourself out first. And then I have people limit the amount of time that they work in a week. And I was like, you've got, a you got yeah good you've got a good three or four hours to work with people if you have clients and then you have a good another good three uh, it's really three and three uh four for someone who may have high capacity and everyone has different ranges of capacity but uh you know it's like and then three hours to work on your business so three hours in your business three hours on your business. So you're only working like six hours a day and then schedule yourself in first. And that doesn't mean that you do, you start your day looking out for you, although that tends to be the thing that works best, but at least have on your schedule, you may do something for yourself and it might be 6 PM at night when it happens, but you know, you're, you're going to protect that. There's a boundary there and you're going to protect that. And so what I'd start doing is limiting the amount of time that I work. And so, which is very counter to what you might hear from a Gary V. And now you got to keep in mind that Gary V is, 
his primary audience is likely, you know, 20 to 25 year old men who are having a hard time getting out of mom's basement. You know, they haven't developed that warrior mentality. The majority of people in the fitness industry have no problem with warrior mentality. Like Mm -hmm. we know how to work and we have discipline and we understand repetition. And so uh, the thing that helped us get to where we are is usually the thing that's holding us back to move forward. And so uh, we can look at, uh, uh, 10x thinking. So a guy, uh, Dan Sullivan, uh, I don't know if he's the one that coined it, but definitely the guy who made it popular. And that is, uh, is think in terms of 10x. Okay. My business is doing a hundred K a year. How do I get it to do a million? Well, you're not going to work harder to get there. And so that's why that thinking is so, uh, valuable is because you can't 10 times your effort and you're not going to 10 times the amount of time you can put in. Someone starts thinking about doubling, they can, it's easy to start gravitating towards, well, I can just double my efforts and double mm-hmm. my whatever. Mm-hmm. And it takes you out of strategic thinking and puts you into uh, hard thinking. And so we call that, when you get stuck in the work harder mode, we call that survival mode. And mm-hmm. so sur- being in a survival mindset is a mindset in where, uh, you're looking at what you don't have, uh, what's not happening. Uh, it's concern about just covering, you know, the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like I gotta like pay rent and get food and I need some type of status. So someone will have sex with me and all that kind of stuff. So that's all survival thinking. And in that place of thinking, you will keep repeating the things that you've done in the past. And so if you're, only doing what you've done in the past, that means that you're only going to get the results. And so the only way to double uh, something is to do double of what you did in the past. And so it's a trap. And so to get somebody out of the cycle can be very challenging. You go, all right, we're going to take you from a survival mindset to a creation mindset. And people go, I, I don't know what the fuck that means. It's like, yeah, I know you've never had it before. You know, it might've been, you might've been five years old the last time you had it. Um, I also, when, when we take people, when someone has a true shift from survival to cr- creation, uh, we, what we witness most of the time is they pick up some type of artistic ability. Even people who wouldn't consider th- themselves creative or artistic, all of a sudden they start painting or DJing or playing an instrument or something. And uh, a lot of painting I see. And it's really cool to watch that come online because that's a sign. I go, oh, that, that happened. And usually someone will pick it up and they go, dude, I used to love painting when I was five. I was like, yeah, that was the last time that there was something that happened around that age that put you in survival mode. And you've been in survival mode your whole life. You have no idea what it's like. And so, so people actually, when they, when they get access to that, it can take them a year or two of just getting back to enjoying play. And so that space. So what we, that, being in that create, putting someone in creation requires that we create space. So you can think about the mind has got, is shaped by structure. And that structure is shaped from our childhood. And we can look about, we can think about physical structures. You go from one square room to another. You leave your house, square room, get in a box, which is a car or a bus, go to a classroom, you're in another box. So you're actually visually being put in boxes your whole life. 
have very little space. And then the amount of the, the language that's being used is conditioning the mind. So the mind is made up of words that create the thoughts, which create the pictures in our mind. And so we're actually uh, very limited in our vocabulary and the things that we talk about. And so if you're in school, the you're you're very limited in the subjects. We we think, oh, I have subjects. You start five or six subjects every year. It's like five or six six subjects which the government dictated that you learn. You think that's space? No fucking way. So you spend the majority of your life in this place where the structure is super tight and you're being exposed to one percent of the information. And so in order to get someone in a creative space, we have to break them out of that structure. So we actually need to go through a destructive phase. So we destroy, 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 which feels scary AF. And then we get to create space and all of a sudden, all sorts of new things start coming online. And we know this is happening in the nervous system. We can look at how neurons are, are uncleaving and recleaving uh, to each other to create this, this new uh, way of thinking. And the way that the, the space is created in the body is we have to downregulate it, downregulate, uh, expand the breath, reduce the cortisol in the system, uh, have this, this, the nervous system calm down so it can learn. You can't learn a new thing. I know I'm going fast, but I'm jamming it. You can't, learn a new, can't learn a new thing in a stressed uh, environment. Uh, you know, go into the gym and try to learn a new movement while someone is screaming at you. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not going to learn anything new, but take some breaths, take your time, learn the steps, be, laugh when you screw up. These are all things that are down-regulating. And the person who's laughing throughout their training and breathing is like, oh, that's a, that's a really good athlete. Yeah. And that's what's happening in life is we're in survival mode. And in survival mode is always driven by fear. And so when this fear is present, uh, we go into freeze, uh, fight, flight, or freeze. And most people are like, oh, I'm a fighter or, or you know, I'm a, I'm a flighter. It's like, no, you're a freezer. Yep. And like, everyone thinks, everyone thinks they're badass, but they're not. And cause you'll know if you're a freezer because it's your breath that freezes. Mm. So when you're, and you start, so if you, if you're breathing shallow or breathing out your mouth, then you know that you're freezing. So you're under, you're experiencing stress, which is also called fear and you're experiencing fear. And then now you're only, and when you're in a fear stress response, your nervous system is in a place that only does what it knows to do from the past. So you can't create anything new. So you're in survival mode, can't be in creation. So I know I just blasted a lot about this, survival, this is, creation, this is great. nervous yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to ask a couple of questions and dig deeper here. So you talked about the importance of like when someone is in survival mode, they need to go through this destroy phase. And yeah. is, is that destroy phase some of the things that you mentioned where you're helping them to make that shift from like sympathetic dominance, fight, flight, freeze to parasympathetic dominance through meditation, through gratitude, through breath work and those sorts of things? Or is there something like if someone's listening and they're saying, I'm certainly on the path to burnout if I don't change something, I know that I, I'm, I need to make a shift and transform. 
what does a destroy phase look like? Is this something I can do myself? Am I able to reverse engineer some of the things that Mike has seen where people that start chilling out, start painting? Can I start painting? And then by default through, through that, start chilling out, help me, Mike, help me. Yeah. So <laughs> the answer is yes. So there's, there's two ways to approach it. Um, so, uh, you're talking about breath. Uh, I, I tell I call it, uh, your, your body is a, um, ecosystem and you need to cultivate it to be a place where new things can grow. And so that's through good nutrition, sleep, breath work. That's not destructive. That's creating a nurturing environment for the body to be in. So the nervous system can make the changes so it can unlearn and relearn new things. So unlearning is, is a huge component of what I do is, and that's what I mean by destroy is you were taught things that you believe are true. And it's so true that you can't even imagine questioning it so far in that it's obvious. I mean, the tree is green, you know, and no one's going to convince you otherwise. And like to, to suggest it, you would laugh at them. So I'm not saying the trees aren't green, but what I'm saying is there's a lot of truths that people are living by that they would laugh in your face if you were to challenge it. Cause it's so obvious to them that it's true. Mm-hmm. And then after, you know, I, I could spend a day or two with somebody and they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I was living my entire life based off that one thing I believed to be true. I believe that, that I was, I thought that that was just the way I was, or I believe that that's, this is how the world works and it actually doesn't work that way. And that's not how I am. It's just something I learned to be. And when we can make that shift, it happens. Um, the, the number one way we can do is through language. And so there's ways that we can do, we can cultivate an environment in our body to be conducive to unlearning and relearning. Um, and I, I like to actually caution people who get into breath work, like, oh, the breath work, it changed my life. I'm like, the breath work got you high, which is great. It created a really good nurturing environment for you to get access to a new state of consciousness that allowed you to see things differently. And that's amazing. The problem is most people don't know what to do with that. So they go, oh, I see this new way of being. And then they start living out their day or their week. And then they find themselves behaving the same. It's like, yeah, you, awareness is not healing. And awareness is not unlearning and relearn and and learning. Awareness is only awareness. And so the problem is, is most people, they gain awareness and they give themselves a pat on the back and they're so proud of themselves. And I get it, you know, like we teach awareness in school. So you're aware of a new concept and you know how to bubble in the next multiple choice question. And then you get an A for it and everyone thinks that you're awesome. And now you're valedictorian of the school and, you know, so on and so forth. So we're rewarded for awareness behavior, but it's not, it's just such a, it's the first step. Right. And so. And that first uh, step may very well just be being more aware of what you're already doing and will continue to do unless you like do some of the things that we're going to talk about. I would say uh, awareness is dangerous and that uh, it can create more suffering. So a lot of times like the the whole Mm -hmm. ignorance is bliss conversation there is partly true Mm -hmm. and that, yeah, if, if you only gain gain awareness and then you still are in the matrix, then it sucks. But I've seen seen that a lot. Yeah. Well, it's happening a lot. And so what ends up happening is now there's just more stuff for me to judge myself for being a fuck up about. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Or like, I'm a, I'm a fucking imposter. I'm coming to this yeah. job every day, putting on a mask, pretending I'm somebody that I'm not. And I hate it. And I didn't yeah. know that I hated it until recently, but now I can't turn it off. And I sort of wish I could go back, but I think I need to quit, but I also need the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, to move from awareness into the next stages, what it requires is something we call courage. And so, uh, that's also something to cultivate. That's something that, uh, some people, you know, they, uh, courage is a learned behavior. And again, this is one of those things is courage is not something you have or don't have. It's a, it's a skill. It's, it's something you cultivate over time. Courage is your relationship to fear. And the more that you can, uh, you're always going to be feared. That feeling that you have in your body will always be there. It's never going away. And I know that everyone wakes up in the, you know, in the day and they go, one day that, that feeling is going to go away. And the best thing you can do is realize, no, the fear is never going away. The shame's never going away. The guilt's never going away. Now, how you relate to those feelings and what you make them mean, now that can change. And that's where the freedom exists. And so, um, when I talk about destructive phase, I'm talking about unlearning. And so uh, what we do is I watch, step one is thoughts. Our thoughts are made up of words. What words are you using? I can tell a lot by someone by listening to them for about two minutes. And then I go, okay, I see where their attention is at. I know what they're focused on. Now, most people are focused on what they don't want, what they don't want to happen. Uh, next, are you a parent? I'm not. Okay, so next time you're around parents with kids, watch how they talk to their kids. So the parents that have little shits for children are constantly telling their kids what they don't want them to do. And then the parents that have uh, their kids are like, oh, they're really well behaved. They're always telling them what they do want them to do. Pay attention. It's very, very simple. I'm not a parent, but I'm very observant. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I've studied parents with their kids. I think it's just, it's, it's, amazing. it's a lot of that. It's a lot of the 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 law of attraction, really. What whatever you believe about that is, if if you're speaking about things that you want to occur, you're going to attract those. But similarly, like speaking about things that you don't want to occur is having that same attractive force. You're just attracting something you don't want. And exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Now the the trouble with the law of attraction is people get the concept, like oh, I see how that works, but turning it into a practical application, it's tough. It's tough, right? It's like, you don't know how to focus on the thing. So the uh, so what we do is we use language. And so I, I've done a lot of work with the, the team from Procabulary. Uh, you might want to talk to Mark England from over there. And uh, one of the things is uh, translating negations into affirmations. And so... Uh, I, when I work with clients, they're like, you know, let's write out a 10 year vision or what are your goals? And, and then I get to talk, uh, why do you have these goals? And I listen to them talk and then we have, I have them write it out. And what you'll notice is 90% of, or more of the language that people are using. And 
it, it, it goes to a hundred percent when someone becomes stressed. So if they start like, if you get in a coaching conversation with somebody and, and, uh, you're like, Oh, what are we going to do about this? They're like, well, I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. So you, you can talk, uh, listen to people who talk about a relationship that's in trouble. It's like, okay, my girlfriend, like, what do you want your relation? What do you want with your, in the relationship with your girlfriend? Well, I don't want her to cheat on me and I don't want her. I, you know, it's usually like all the things they don't want them to yeah. happen in the relationship. Like, I don't what want to come do you home to and have the, the house dirty. I don't want to try to reach out to her physically and have her turn her back on me and make me feel like a loser and not respected. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what we do is I go, all right, well, what do you want? And what, next time you're in a situation and you ask someone, okay, I just heard all the things that you don't want. What do you want? And watch them just start repeating all the things they don't want. That's how focused, that's how survival mode they are. All they know is what they want to avoid because survival is about, well, survival. It's about not getting eaten and it's about not starving to death. Um, so the, so when I'm talking to someone, how, how can we start changing that? So first we have to slow them down and we slow them down by having them write it down line by line. And then we translate it. Okay. You write don't down want this. the things that they don't want. Yeah. Write down what you don't want. Just fucking yeah. go crazy. Get go it out crazy. of their head. <laughs> Get it out of their head so they can look at it. Mm-hmm. And because when they're saying it, it's not registering. They, they it, the words are coming out of their mouth and they just don't even know it. Um, another thing I noticed when I'm coaching people is, and I, I had the same thing, which is someone would ask me and almost an automatic response. If there was any doubt existing in my body about the thing at all, if there's any doubt, I would start the answer off with, I don't know. And then I'd start to answer it. So I would admit the doubt that I had about it. I was basically discounting what I was about to say next. And then I would say it. So there was like, there was a lack of commitment around what I knew. So it, what it is, is it's a way out. It's a lack of courage. And so we can build up courage by becoming more direct with our language about what we do want. So mm-hmm. what do it, then this is just one example. There's a lot of language hacks in here, but, uh, is when, when someone is hyper-focused on what they don't want, I'm like, Oh, there's a courage issue here. They actually mm-hmm. can't face what it is they really want. They can't admit it to themselves and they definitely can't admit it to me. And so, uh, that's one of those practical applications of, of that. Uh, what, what was you called it? The, I think there's a book over here. I'm at my Law of attraction, house. like the secret Law of attraction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The secret. Yeah. I mean, I was a big fan of that shit back in the day. Like I read, I read it. I watched the documentaries. Blew I'm like, my oh, mind you know, when that thing meditate. came out. Yep. <laughs> Did you watch uh, what the bleep do we know? I think oh yeah. I like, own it. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> I got it. She was D- awesome. DVD covered in dust back there. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, so it's so it's like these concepts are like, whoa, I understand this metaphysical comp conversation. And then when I got into deeper language work and specifically with the guys at Procabulary, um, I was like, Oh, you guys have done a, made this a very practical application. Uh this is this is fucking rad. And started implementing those tools in my life and with my my uh wife and with um my business i had all my business partners we started taking this, these tools on and it made a huge difference it made a huge difference and now it's it's so baked in to the culture of my company 
like everybody's a language wizard in, in the business. And, you know, there's another layer to that too, is like the emotional side of like, when you start, when you get a hold of the language and you start talking about what you do want, what are the emotions that come up? You know, what's that feeling in your body? And most people are avoiding feelings. Mm-hmm. Like something happened when you were five and now you, your dad said that thing to you and I hate that feeling. So who do I have to be to not feel that ever again? And so that starts generating a personality and a belief system and identity. And then when that identity um, is, is fully online, it now becomes who you are and you believe that's who you are. And so mm-hmm. now you're going to go throughout the rest of the, your life. And if you try to make changes, well, what ends up happening, if you try to make any changes that are off of your own status quo, you're going to start accessing a feeling you were avoiding. Mm-hmm. And so you can't have that feeling. So people are like, ah, uh, I start to deviate. Oh, back in the old pattern. So, mm-hmm. or you just have length. no clue what you really want and what really feels like the right direction to take your life. Because like so much of that comes from your um, emotional compass or your emotional guidance system. And like, I spent my whole life cutting myself off from emotions. And like, for a lot of business, I would just write goals that looked good that like no one would argue with like, Oh, I want a seven figure business or this or that. And like, no one's going to say that's other people's dumb... goals. Yeah. Just copying other yeah. people's goals. But it was because I cut myself off from my own emotions and feelings. And I didn't know if you really asked yeah. me, I'd be like, I don't know what I want, you know, outside yep. of that, like basics, having those basic survival needs met. So I relate yeah. to a lot of this. Not you'll know. Cause like for me, I can tell if a goal is a real goal of mine or not is I feel in my body, it's this charge. Like it's already happening. I'm like, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm writing down someone else's goal, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's cool. Like, you know, if we mm-hmm. hit that. I'll be happy. Like, you yeah. know? Yeah. You know? So like you take someone, you have them start writing down what they don't want. What's the next step? How do you, how do you translate that into an affirmation or like, yeah, you know, allow so them to start like, releasing, right. releasing well, you, you, you don't want your girlfriend to leave you. Mm-hmm. What do you want? It's like, well, I want her to stay with me. I'm like, cool, write that down. Mm-hmm. Well, what else do you want? And they're like, why? Well, I, I want her to like be physically affectionate. Cool, write that down. And so it, these are things that they're not really uh, putting their attention on. And then they're definitely not communicating it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this goes deep, you know, the, the conversation might be like, uh, if they're complaining about a girlfriend, the way it comes out conversationally a lot of times is well, you you never da 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 da, you know, and which is usually inaccurate, um, but it creates a story that ends up becoming more and more true mm-hmm. over time because well that's it's what they're like communicating. A, it's yeah. also like a self fulfilling prophecy, like oh, he or she already thinks I'm like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I witnessed the self fulfilling prophecy on some super crazy levels i remember um this the one that i that just blows my mind the most is uh my ex-wife so it was like two and a half years ago she sets this goal she gets real serious about it she sets this goal that she wants to redefine how people divorce and yeah (laughs) huh were you with her at the time yeah yeah very concerning sorry please continue (laughs) yeah 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 so i'm sitting there and i'm like 
And I remember like one of her friends goes, you know, why is that your goal? Is like that happened in your family? And she's like, yeah, my parents, you know, like, like she had this thing and she set the goal. And I was like, I remember looking and going like, are you sure? Like, that's really what, where you want to put your attention. And she was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, but you've never been through a divorce. And she goes, I know. I was like, do you think, you know, like, I, I and I didn't want to like push any more on it because right. like, like, where is this going? You're like, if this seed's not already planted, I don't want to be the one to plant it, but I'm concerned. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so a year later, uh, or about a year and a half later, so about a year ago now, uh, we separated and we're now get you know, we're wrapping up the divorce right now. And <clears throat> was it a wonderful experience? I'm sorry about that. I was <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's been yeah. a wonderful experience. Um, it's it been extremely painful and emotionally difficult and, uh, and beautiful. And, uh, I've learned so much about myself. She's learned so much about herself. This has been the easiest the like transition I've ever, um, I'm surprised at every corner of how well it's going. And, you know, to, to think that it's not going to be a pain, you know, married for nine years. And then, you know, that's a, that's a lot to untangle and untie. And it's funny because like we had a phone conversation a few months ago and, you know, now she's, She's like, oh, wow, I took this thing on. I totally created this. I go, I know. Like, when you set that goal. And she's like, what was I thinking? I was like, I remember I questioned you on setting this goal in the first place. I don't know. what." And so now she's, at, she's in a lot of gratitude around it right now. She's like, man, I'm so glad this is happening. And I'm glad that we're, we're going through this. And we, we do get to be the example of, what it takes to divorce well. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the people who are close to us or people who follow both of us on social media, they, they, they've seen enough to where they're like, well, you guys are doing it. Diff- it's different. I'm like, yeah. But if, going back, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. You got to be really careful. And her intentions were, I guess we could call them good. I, I have a hard time talking about good or bad. Um, I've had some ego di- disolluting uh, experiences that have made dualism hard to talk about at times, but the, yeah, now she's like in a lot of gratitude about it, but yes, yeah, definitely self-fulfilling prophecy and just, and it's now she's in gratitude about it. But looking back on it, she's like, I could have totally set another goal and we'd probably still be together. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. This episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show is brought to you by Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products, CBD standing for cannabidiol. Now, we are real excited about this partnership because Veritas means truth in Latin, and we are big believers in bringing you guys the truth, not just through this podcast, but by making sure that any products that we share or that we bring on as sponsors are products that we personally use, believe in, and endorse ourselves. And that is the case with Veritas Farms and their full line of 
of CBD products. The reason that they're so great, they are full spectrum hemp products, meaning that they have all of the beneficial phytonutrients that you get in a quality CBD product. 99% of the CBD products on the market are CBD isolate, and they're just being resold, meaning they're coming from a few small manufacturers. They've only got one tiny part of all of the important phytonutrients that you need to get the benefits you want from a CBD product, and they're just a bunch of different companies reselling them. Veritas Farms is vertically integrating, meaning they own the farm, they ensure that there are no pesticides being added, it's organic, and then they control the entire process from harvesting to extraction until that product ends up at your door. That's what I love it. It's kind of like farm to table, but for CBD. And the benefits that I've noticed, my sleep is better, I feel like I get a deeper, more restful night's sleep, I'm less stressed, I never have periods of anxiety, I feel calm and focused throughout the day, and it even decreases inflammation when I have flights or other things where inflammation is an inevitable part of life. You take a little extra CBD and it can be very helpful for stress, anxiety, sleep, and that inflammation. So if you guys want to check it out, we've arranged a 15% discount for you guys. To get that, you can go to theveritasfarms.com forward slash biohacks. I'll spell it out. T-H-E-V-E-R-I-T-A-S-F-A-R-M-S.com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to save 15%. Check out the Veritas Farms CBD. You guys are going to absolutely love it. But maybe this was maybe this was a a sole contract you guys had with each other that you know you would be willing to do it with her for her. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it the the relationship served its purpose. It's been beautiful. We love each other more than ever. Um, and you know what? She set the goal. I mean, it was a self fulfilling prophecy. We ended up getting divorced, and she reached her goal of like redefining divorce because we've been able to do it in a way where you know there aren't lawyers involved and it is amicable and we're looking into exactly what's fair. And I showed up to her birthday party and, you know, people were like, uh, I thought you guys were like divorced. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And still like hugging and loving each other. And there's like, what the fuck is going on here? So there was a lot of her, her and I, Ashley and I went through a lot of emotional resilience training. We went through a lot of language training, communication training over the last, I'd say about five or six years. And it paid off. Like that, that is allowed. I, I went through a divorce and had record breaking months in my business simultaneously. Most people cannot do that. Most people going through a divorce, everything takes a shit. Mm -hmm. And it's because, uh, through the use of language, I've been able to organize my mind in a way that allows me to stay focused on what I do want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And then I have the emotional resilience that when things that are really uncomfortable come up, I can be with it. Mm -hmm. "Mm, I am going to take a day for myself. And so going back to, I've done such a good job of creating high leverage strategy in my business that I work less and my business does more. So even when things are coming up in my life personally that I need to take some time for myself, it's okay. I probably work about half the time. I I work like half the year and the other half the year I'm doing stuff for me. I mean, that, that, that more I play, the more, (laughs) yeah, the more I play, the more money I make and the, the more, creative I become and how I approach my business. You know, I'll be, I'm going down to Columbia next week and nice. I imagine I'll be doing something fun in Columbia and then something will strike me. I'm like, 
oh yeah, I was listening to this podcast last month and then I'm doing this thing. I'm talking to this person. Boom, 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 boom. It's like new strategy put in place. 20% growth this month. Awesome. Yeah, I, I I love that, and I know that that you have some some commitments. And I want to be uh, respectful of your time, but I also want to take some of this and just kind of rapid fire on on how you sure. implement it. Because, um, well, some some kind of rapid fire questions. First and foremost, where are you going, Medellin, Cartagena? Where where are you headed in Colombia? Uh, first, I'm going to uh, this little spot in the mountains, two hours from Bogota, to drink uh, yahe, uh, which oh, nice. is which is like ayahuasca, yep. but this stuff is stronger. It's the strongest medicine I've ever had. I'm going back. This is my second round. Love it. Um, nice. And then I'm going to go to then I'm going to go to Medellin for two weeks and chill out and have a good time. I've never been to that city. Um, last time I went down, I went to Parque Tyrona backpacking afterwards. That was fun. Um, so. Yeah, I'll chill out for a good three weeks down there and then uh, head to Costa Rica for a couple of weeks. Got a mastermind retreat down there for a couple of days and I'm going to roll, roll into um, Envision Festival. So, Ooh, where's that? Uh, it's in uh, Uvita, uh, Costa Rica, uh, the end of February. And that is, I love to dance. So, I like yeah. to travel to strange places where there's awesome DJs and dance. Speaking like, that gets me to create. I've gotten so many insights, creative insights around my business while on the dance floor. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. A lot of times people are like, oh, you're just like, you're just partying. I'm like, I'm not, man, this is all integrated. This is all one thing. I'll tell you what, you got it. You got an open invitation to pop into Mykonos this summer. If you want, that's like, that's a big part of my year. I went last year and loved it. I'm like, I'm going back for a month. I'm going to be in Mykonos and then one of my buddies is having his bachelor party there at the end of August. So I'm just going to let him kind of bump. And, and I completely agree that the, the dancing and, and that type of like fun experience and creation of energy, there's something that happens there. I was riding scooters through Mykonos, getting business ideas. Like I can't, I got to pull over and write this shit down. But yeah. it, it, it doesn't come if you're just sitting at the desk grinding. This is no, great. No. All right. So, uh, so, you know what? I actually uh, might be hitting Mykonos this summer too. So like I got a, I'm looking at a cruise, like a, a cruise, uh, off, you know, around Croatia for a week and going to hit uh, one of the what's ultra. And then uh, talking about hitting Mykonos after with a friend. Nice. It's already Let, a conversation. I, so I, I'm we'll serious. We'll, we'll, we'll exchange contact info and, uh, and, and get all that ironed out. You're, you're welcome. It'll be great. Are you going to yacht week in Croatia? Yeah, that's what I, I'm, I, I'm 50, 50 on it right now. I know, yeah, that's my friend, she's trying to get me to go. I'm like, all right. It's a, all right, dude, it's, it's affordable too. It's crazy. It's, it's reasonable. And like, so Kerry uh, on our team, our, our VP of biohacking secrets, he's been talking about wanting to go there for yacht week to celebrate some stuff for a while. And I think we're probably going to go there and make that happen. Uh, make that happen this summer. Um, oh yeah, this is great. <laughs> Besides dancing. Um, what, what's your favorite way to play? Ah, oh, that's a hard one. Cause that is my favorite way to play. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? I, for me, it's uh, traveling and getting into new environments, meeting new people, uh, mm -hmm. new conversations. Um, yeah, I mean, so much of my stuff is is music related. Yeah, um, <laughs> auditory guy. I, as as yeah, as I. yeah. I mean, I like to do a lot of animal flow these days. Talking about going back to fitness is like 
doing get more, more into flow that. work. Yeah. So it's less structure. I, I, I still do a good amount of structure with my movement practice, but man, there's, uh, I mean, smoke a J and then go to yeah. the park at, with a kettlebell and a mace and some music. And I mean, it's close to dancing, right? So it's like, yeah. I'll do some structure strength training and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to flow for 15 minutes. Just set a clock or do three songs and just it's great. do that. And yeah. We're, we're loving that too. We, we had a shout out to Leo Savage and his steel mace flow course. We had him at our event and he did, he did a couple workouts and got all of us into it. And, uh, yeah, we love now part of the workout. We'll just have some, some of the, the on it steel maces out in the front yard. And just like, you kind of, it's, 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 it's a very nice symphony sort of in between like yoga. And like, if you're training with a weapon, but like, you've got this extra weight that you can like either resist and burn out real fast, or you can like flow with, and you can get deeper into some of these sequences and stretches and like what, what Leo has been able to do, um, you know, through, through working together with you. And just cause he's a, he's a genius is like, he's sharing something real special with the world. And like, it's, it's a form of art. Mm-hmm. And I think the most powerful part is what you just described is that it allows and empowers other people to create their own art, which is like an unstructured flow where they just get into that state and kind of, it's, it's not easy yeah. to do these days unless you carve out time for it and have vehicles like, like steel mace flow. Um, yeah. I mean, well, Talking to Leo, like I mean, still get reports these days from him where he goes, "Man, I feel like I was in, I was stuck in survival." I was like, "He's like," and I was able to break myself out. And I go, "How did you do it?" And he goes, "Well, I picked up the mace and I flowed, and then I got into creation." I'm like, mm-hmm. "There you go, man. Love yep. it. Yep, that's amazing." Um, what what plant or psychedelic compound or, uh, you know, anything for accessing non-ordinary states of consciousness. It doesn't have to be a, a plant or a drug has had the, the biggest positive impact on your life. I would say the initial biggest, I'd say it's the biggest because it was my first and it made a big shift was psilocybin mushrooms. Um, and then hero I would dose, say other than that, hero, hero, hero dose. Uh, <laughs> and then, good, uh, good man. <laughs> Yeah. And then, um, Yahe, Yahe is, uh, is over time has been, you know, like psilocybin mushrooms to me now is like, it's like child's play. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if, if there's, if someone's eating mushrooms and there's, it's still a big deal to them. Good. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah. But for me, I mean, even like a lot of, a lot of the traditions with ayahuasca, they're pretty good. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. But then I go to Colombia and I drink some, some uh really special yahe and that's that's what i enjoy the most it has made a huge difference for me i'm 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 very interested we'll 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 talk offline about that as well ayahuasca it's when i went to rhythmia that had one of the the biggest positive impacts on my life probably the biggest um i'm actually going to be sitting on on sunday again um one of they brought some they said it was yahe from colombia Mm-hmm. at the last night. And honestly, like I, I took, I couldn't even hold the stuff down. And like, it, it had taken eight ounces for me to feel the the ceremony the previous night. And like one ounce of that yahe, I was like, I'm barfing in the bucket and I'm not, I'm not a guy that usually throws up. So I need to kind of go back and do it, do it proper. Maybe in, maybe in Colombia. If, if you got I, a good the place. last time I drank like a bowl of yahe. Yeah. yeah. Dude, it, it got me. It got yeah. me. It, yeah. You, did you, do you go through the, the gauntlet, the crucible? <laughs> yep. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 a few times. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, this is stripped this... down, buck naked. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't even oh, keep nice. my clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when that happens. <laughs> Mike, this is this is awesome, man. You're you're a phenomenal dude. Brilliant when it comes to business and strength and conditioning, and really finding the harmony between the two. I, I'd love to do a round two, and we'll talk about Mykonos and all that fun stuff. For, yeah, for for the people that want to stay up to date on um, things you're working on and and what you're coming out with, I know you've got the strongcoach.com. That's that's for like a, a lot of your coach training and helping mm-hmm. them become better leaders and better businessmen and women. And then you've got training camp for the soul. Uh, where else should they connect with you, and and which of those resources make sense for who? Yeah, so the strong coach is for coaches who want to build a better business and be able to show up as great coaches for their clients, uh, training camp for the soul, emotional resilience. This is for anyone who they have that experience of, I know I'm meant to do more, but I don't know quite what it is or how to access it. Or they, they want, you know, you might be someone like myself. who's like, you know what? I just want to optimize everything. Like I want to, I want to dive into the trenches. That's a good one. That's, um, that work, I partnered with a with a coach who, when I did her, the work with her, I was completely blown away, and I'm blessed to be her partner in that. Um, and then if you want to connect with me, uh, Mike underscore Bledsoe on Instagram. I love the gram. So, me too. Uh, I make a lot of posts. I, I, I'm pretty good about my stories, and if you DM me, I will DM you back. That's pretty badass. Mike Bledsoe. Really excited that we got to hang out, man. I appreciate you. I'd love to, I'd love to do more in the future. And, uh, yeah, guys head, head over to the strongcoach.com training camp for the soul.com or Mike underscore Bledsoe on IG to stay up to date with all the cool stuff Mike is working on. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for showing up. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate you. What's up guys. Anthony here. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the biohacking secrets show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted and all day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities, and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like 
MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one clients if they're relevant for you in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program's full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G and fill out the short application form. If you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community, and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together. 